When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. Every day in the nice little Canadian town of Beavermount, Ontario, is pretty much the same. Folks are polite, there's a hockey game that evening, and someone gets brutally murdered. Sorry About the Murder, a very Canadian murder mystery podcast. New episodes weekly. Listen to season one now by typing Sorry About the Murder into your favorite podcast app. Ah, bello! Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome to Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer, with I, Magenta, and... A- and I, Bernard. Yes. And this is chapter Cheek to Cheek. Nifty. Yes. Here's something I'd temporarily forgotten. Sandra moved shortly after she found out her husband was cheating on her, but I have no idea what her new address is. She comes to me, I never go to her. She did tell me where she'd moved during casual conversation, but oh, that woman can talk. One tends to switch off after a while. And if I don't know where Sandra lives, obviously I don't know where her bloody neighbour lives either. You must know I turned to Eldris in his unmarked police car, which hasn't yet moved from outside my house. Dave sits patiently on my lap. You went to see Sandra the other day to interview her. Eldris sighs, go on sigh, Bernard, <sighs> and gets out some sort of tablet thingy from an inner pocket. This is no time to play snakes, I admonish. Snakes, that dates this, snakes. doesn't it? Snakes? I mean, that would have been dated in 2014. It would. Let's update it. Candy Crush. All right. What are you talking about? I'm looking up the case notes. Her address will be in there. Eldris looks up as a thought occurs. My colleague might already be in the area. I asked her to interview Sandra again today. Goodo, I nod, turning to gaze out of the passenger window. And then my vision focuses as a series of strange movements draws my attention to a flashy sports car parked parallel with us. What's that? I murmur, squinting, in that revolting car. Even in the dim light from the street lamps, you can tell the car is a retina poking yellow. But even more eye-catching is the figure writhing around behind the wheel. What's he up to? Eldris! Eldris! Eldris ignores me completely, still engrossed in the tablet. I peer closer, nose against the glass, at the hunched form behind the wheel on the other side of the street. It continues to squirm uncomfortably, as if trying to fold in on itself. I wait for it to straighten up. But it doesn't. He, she's either having a seizure trying to get something off the floor, or they're trying to hide. Unfortunately for them, if they're trying to hide, then they're unable to duck below the window line because the stupid car's so low to the ground to make it more aerodynamic for when it's doing five miles an hour on a London road, I suppose. I'll be back in a sec, I say to Eldris, opening the passenger door and climbing out, the chill breeze licking at my face like a spectral hound. I cross over in about four strides and peer in. Crumbs! The driver is folded in two, having wedged his head under the wheel and between his legs. He must be very flexible to do that, a yoga fan or a circus performer, perhaps. But why is he bothering? 
A third option pops into my head besides flawed debris retrieval and hiding. Perhaps he's self-fellating. I rap the window with my knuckles. Hello, I thunder. Are you in need of some assistance? Not in that way. I'm not a perv. The figure freezes in what I would say is definitely a guilty manner. Although on closer inspection, I don't think the angles are quite right for him to be sucking his own wing-wang. Not unless it was about a foot long, and he's not scrabbling around on the floor with his hands either, so what the hell is he doing? I shine the light of my phone through the glass for a better look. It's not much help. All I can see is the back of his head, nondescript ash-brown hair, and his leather-clad back. Very small and narrow it is too. Underage boy from the looks of it. Probably been joyriding. Stolen car, eh? Do you need an ambulance? I shout through the glass. I mean, it's a possibility. He might need to be cut from the car from the looks of it. The figure awkwardly extends an arm and flaps a surprisingly hairy hand for a pubescent, as if gesturing me to go away. Is that supposed to mean no? You don't want an ambulance? The hand gives me a thumbs up. I continue, my breath fogging up the glass. Look here, matey, I'm not going to lie. You look very suspicious. Now, I'm not some kind of interfering neighbourhood watch type. Don't be thinking I'm on some power trip since I started putting crims away. But I've come this far. I might as well keep going. Another, more sinister thought occurs. He might be a dog napper. That's what they do, isn't it? They hang around parks and residential streets, waiting to snatch pedigrees so they can sell them on eBay. He might be after Dave. I straighten up and look a little further down the road at the equally suspicious black van that's parked a few cars along, with what can only be described as two goons sitting inside. I'd spotted it earlier in the day when I was returning to the house with Dave and filed it in my head as something to keep an eye on. I look back at the yellow douche-mobile. Maybe they're all working together. Maybe Yoga Man is the lookout and the goons are the transporters. After all, you certainly wouldn't fit many dogs in this ridiculous sports car. I shoot the goons a sharp look and they visibly startle. One of them starts looking intently at his phone in a studiously innocent fashion, while the other stares in the direction of his knees. <gasps> Definitely suspicious. I'm glad Dave's sitting safely with Eldris. Eldris, yes, I've got a copper with me. I've got a copper with me, I hiss into the sports car window. Unfortunately, said copper has the instincts of a brick. He's started the car and is shouting for me to get in. I stare hard at the folded over figure for a few more seconds, wondering why he looks vaguely familiar. He shudders as if in pain. Magenta! Eldris bellows from his car. I ignore him and walk to the front of the car, where I ostentatiously take a picture of the registration with my phone. I then do the same to the van, but more quickly and from further away, as the goons are a bit, well, goon-like. It's important to deliver a message, though, isn't it? I'm not scared, you bastards. You can't intimidate me. I scuttle back to Eldris's car and climb into the passenger seat before using my phone to email the shots of the car and van to myself. Call me neurotic, but the dogs have made me hyper aware of criminal behavior. And while this new awareness has made me more anxious, it's also made me significantly angrier because this is my home turf, my patch, my hood, if you will, and there ain't no mother messing here but this one. You dear, I didn't really deliver yeah, that you, last line with much really conviction. Have, it didn't really have the, the impact that maybe it deserved. And there ain't no mother messing here but this one. That was more like yes, it. That was powerful, that was. Yes. The next chapter is appropriately called Sorry. 
Yes, yeah, so, sorry about the previous delivery. I mean, we could do another chapter. What I mean, do you it think, wasn't Bernard? very long. Let, let, let us do one more. And you didn't get much of a shout there, I did didn't. You? I only got to do a couple of lines of Eldris. And I think I think I vaguely remember there might be some new characters coming. Good we might Lord. get to do some goon voices. Some soon. new ones. Yes. Shall I do both goons? Oh, of course. Oh, I like doing two sets of goons. Right. You'll, they'll have to be differentiated as well. I'm sure we. I'm sure that. that can be arranged. All right. The next chapter. Sorry. I'm sorry about that. What a way to end a chapter. An early middle-aged lady using youth speak. Cringe. I'll be buying overpriced headphones endorsed by some silly billy rapper at this rate. On the trip to question... Was that a reference to what's his face? Uh, to the Beats by Dre, I believe. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. They weren't very good, though, those headphones, were they? No, they were very expensive and they were very average. Well, there we go. Yes. On the trip to question Sandra's neighbour, I explain to Dave where we're going and what we're doing so that he doesn't feel disappointed when it doesn't turn into an exciting walkies. I doubt it goes in. Nothing destroys a dog's hope that any car trip will end in an exciting walkies, except finding themselves at the vets, of course. Thus Dave's in selectively deaf waiting mode, a period in which he focuses all of his energy on waiting for the car to stop. He's not very receptive when he's like that. In fact, I get the distinct impression I'm annoying him by trying to speak to him, the cheek. Oddly, after a while, the route starts to feel familiar. I mean, of course, I've been to Crouch End before, but this route in particular, the sequence of narrow streets and chicken shops and newsagents, I tell Eldris, forgetting momentarily that he still considers me a suspect, or at the very least, a person of interest. So you've come this way before? He asks, with a level of intensity that suggests he's filing it away in his police brain. No, just seems familiar. But most of London looks the same, doesn't it? But it's more than that, and when Eldris pulls into Sandra's street, I realise why. I have indeed come this exact way before, and it seems so familiar because it wasn't long ago. It's Bloody Roger's street. Bloody Roger, your boss. Ugh. What the hell are the chances that he lives on the same street as Sandra? Which number is Sandra's neighbour, I quaver, as Eldris parks in a residence-only space? 28 or 32 on account of neighbours coming in twos, replies Eldris gruffly. Damn it, I can't remember Roger's number. But I doubt it's either of those two. I mean, what would be the chances of that? Eldris turns to me. You. He points in my face. Stay here. I'm not interviewing anyone with you listening in. And don't argue with me. I'll only come and get you if you need you. If you what? I'll only come and get you if I need you, which I won't. Okay, I say, with too much enthusiasm, eager to avoid the faint possibility of bumping into Roger. Eldris glares at me and then exits the car, walking up the way we've just driven. I twist and watch him through the back window. He turns several houses along. He turns several houses along. What does that mean? I don't know. That uh, he, he walks several. He turns and walks several houses along would make sense, wouldn't yes, it? Yes, right. All right. He walks several houses along and knocks on the door of number 32. If I squint, I can just see that 32 has a pair of stone Egyptian cats flanking the door and some naff runes carved into the lintel. Shit! Sandra lives next door to Roger! Oh, Sandra lives next door to my husband's boss! What are the chances? Seriously, what are the chances? I pull my phone out and text Bernard. Sandra lives next door to Roger! Kiss. I wait. Three seconds later, it tings. Bernard rarely leaves me hanging. Who? XX. Oh, you're going to say X instead of kiss? Well, I can say kiss. Who? Kiss, kiss. 
I typed back furiously. Eldris is still stood outside Roger's house, waiting for someone to respond to the doorbell. Your boss, Roger! Kiss. I know that. I meant who is Sandra? Kiss, kiss, kiss. You know, Sandra, my client. You've met her. Cries a lot. Ex-hubby, rent boys, you know, kiss, kiss. Oh, yes, her. Ooh, uh. Kiss, 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 kiss. I wait a bit. Is that it? I send another text. Well, she lives next door to Roger. How weird is that? Kiss. Not weird. Saw on Facebook last year she was house hunting. Rog owns house next door to his, rich bastard, and I knew he'd been looking for tenants for yonks. Hooked them up. Didn't I tell you? Kiss, 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 kiss. I look in the rearview mirror. Eldris has given up on Roger's house and is heading towards Sandra's other neighbour. I exhale with relief. Roger must be at work still. My phone tings. Roger not at work today, by the way. Kiss, 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 kiss. I jump and squint suspiciously at my phone before texting back, responding to his previous text. Maybe you told me. Forgot. Wasn't interested at the time. Hadn't met Roger then. Didn't realise he was mega weird. How come he couldn't find tenants? Very popular part of town. Be nice house. Kiss. I glance back again and see that Eldris has had more luck with the other neighbour. Someone's answered the door, although I can't see them from this angle. I wonder if it's the woman that Killer Bob had been stooping behind Sandra's back. Eldris disappears from view as he steps inside the house. Dave is whining softly and breathing on the window, fogging up a little patch under his nose. He's not happy with stationery, and he hasn't been let out. The tension in his little body is contagious. I jump again as the phone pings. Rog said it smelled funny. Ha <laughs> ha. Smell scared off prospective tenants, apparently. Sandra desperate to escape old house probs. Maybe didn't care as much about smell? Rog thinks big rat died under floorboards. Poor Sandra. Kiss, 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 kiss. I drop the phone into my lap, uneasy. A smell from a dead rat? Or a dead corpse? Was that too much? I, I think it was appropriate. Right. Actually, I've no reason to think that. I lick my chapped lips. I'm just getting corpse obsessed. Easily done, given the circumstances. Oh, it is a bit spooky out here. Sitting in the glowing groom. <laughs> the glowing groom? Uh, the growing gloom, I mean. Ah, the glowing groom. <laughs> is, he a, is he a ghost of Christmas? A, a ghost, a ghost man waiting to be married. Yes. The growing gloom. I might leave that in. All right. In an increasingly chilly car, parked on a silent street, staring through the windscreen, the houses blank-eyed and still, the pavement bathed in the electric orange glow of the lamps, and where the light doesn't reach, shadows, shadows, everywhere. <coughs> Dave barks, throwing my nervous system into disarray. Jesus, I shout, heart hammering. I turn to glare at the little sod. Dave, I admonish angrily. Here comes the eldress man. Dave projects into my frazzled brain, still emitting piercing barks that reverberate around the interior of the car. The car door opens and eldress gets in, awkwardly shoving a wagging Dave out of his seat and back into my lap. My heart rate returns to normal. Well, I ask breathlessly, did you speak to Bob's lover? It wasn't a Bob's lover, not unless he's into octogenarians. Eldris says briskly. He starts the car and pulls out of the space, his movements tight and quick. People with eight legs, I ask. Very old people. Eldris snaps. You should snap it. Go on. Very old people. <laughs> Eldris snaps. That's a, yeah. good, that's a good joke. The people, the octogenarians, the people with eight legs, very, very funny. Very strange, because in the previous, on Monday's podcast, we talked about uh, 
Odin's horse who had eight legs. That's true. Isn't yes. it odd, all this eight-legged stuff coming up? Yes. Anyway. Uh, Eldris snaps, going too fast down the narrow street for my liking. I frown at the speed of our exit. Well, he might have a preference for the older generation. It's not beyond the bounds of possibility. And it was a bloke. Did Bobo mention the gender? I hesitate before answering, feeling disturbed that Eldris had spat Bobo's name as if he'd lost patience. Oh, he needed to spit that. Did Bobo mention the gender? That's better. Bobo said that Bob had been with a woman, I reply carefully, in which case... You've got to interrupt. No, no, the next sentence is Eldris interrupts me again. Oh, <laughs> maybe just interrupt. All right. In which case... I'll find out who lives at 28 and interview them tomorrow. Not that you need to know this. I'll take you straight home. I sit up straight, the seatbelt digging into my shoulder. What? That's it? I thought we could get out and let Dave sniff around the area, see what he can tell us. Eldris briefly takes his eyes off the road to glance at me. His eyes are hooded and serious. He looks like he's had enough for one night, and I sense he might be regretting my presence. He opens his mouth as if to speak, then shuts it and returns his attention to the road. We drive the rest of the way in silence. It's well tense. Goodness. Another great integer. Another great integer. So no no goons yet? No goons yet. Oh, I right. think well, they're coming up, though. They're coming up. I'm looking forward to doing the goons. I think there's one goon in particular who I, I, I feel like I remember him. Yeah, I like I like doing goons. Well, the next chapter is called Tell Me Lies, Tell Me Sweet Little Lies. Tell me lies. Tell, tell me sweet little, little lies. Tell me lies. Maybe there'll be some goons in this one. Yes. All right. Um, what was our new sign-off that we decided on Monday? I can't actually remember. Oh, oh we're going to have to come up with another one. Uh, thank you for listening, and do tune in again. Oh, that makes sense. Do tune in again. Do tune in on again. On Mondays for Magenta... Um, helps her helps tragic, her tragic fans. fans. And on Thursday for Magenta, Madam Magenta and the Arcadic Killer. I mean, do tune in again. That's better, isn't it? Please do tune in again. Please. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, hello, I'm Malik. I'm Jamie. And this is World Gone Wrong, where we discuss the unprecedented times we're living through. Can your manager still schedule you for night shifts after that werewolf bit you? My ex-boyfriend was replaced by an alien body snatcher, but I think I like him better now. Who is this dude showing up in everyone's old pictures? My friend says the sewer alligators are reading maps now. When did the kudzu start making that humming sound? We are just your normal millennial roommates processing our feelings about a chaotic world in front of some microphones. World Gone Wrong, a new fiction podcast from Audacious Machine Creative, creators of Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery. Learn more at audaciousmachinecreative.com. Find World Gone Wrong in all the regular places you find podcasts. I love you so much. <laughs> I mean, you could like up the energy a little you bit. You could like, up the energy. I actually don't take notes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You sounded great. So did you. <laughs>